Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the water and wastewater industry uh, and the careers you didn't know about. I'm your host, Dave Kosminski. This is going to be take number two, and you're never going to hear take number one, so <laughs> go from there. Hey, with us in the studio, we have an old friend, Mr. Jay Sheen from the Woodward and Curran Group, and uh, Jay has uh, taken time out of his busy schedule to come down and, and be on the podcast, so how you doing, Jay? Doing great. Thrilled to be here. I love what you're doing. Ah, uh, thanks so much. A career in water. Careers in water are really important. Well, you know the thing is, is that's my whole impetus. And we started uh, launching this podcast. As you know, I've been involved with the students uh, at the high school for many, many years. But uh, you know, uh, us guys are are getting older. We're getting. Uh, you know, I'm seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel, and I hope it's not a freight train. But it's. Uh, you know, we got to start refilling the pipelines. So. Sure do. The the freight train's coming. You know, we're at a we're at a real crossroads, a nexus in the whole industry where we're just not getting enough people in the bottom to learn their way up to the top, and Absolutely. the top's just dropping off. Yeah, great. So, uh, it's 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 crazy, and unfortunately, yeah. it's uh, you know the type of thing uh, that obviously you've been an engineer for many years. So so tell us about your day job and how you got into the water industry. Sure. So. Started back in Northampton, Mass. Growing up there, uh-huh. um, very progressive town. Understands the environment. It was a was a good environment to 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 learn, and to grow into some progressive type thinking about things. Mm-hmm. From there, I went to University of Vermont. I got a four year degree in civil engineering. Okay, and when I came out of school about ninety three, the economy was in a little bit of rough shape. Yes, uh, so jobs were a little bit more scarce. I ended up getting a job in New Jersey and more of the structural engineering realm okay so we would do structural designs for you know for pipe for buildings for things was not what i wanted to do uh-huh. long term so okay. i was there about five years and i said i gotta get back to environment and to you know the water world that i was so infatuated with so i took a look back said you know jersey's fine but i want to get back to new england okay um and at the time the market had opened up so this was around 98 and had a few different opportunities. I saw Woodard and Curran, who at the time was about 125, 150 people. I saw it as a great, great career. I wasn't looking for just jobs. I wasn't looking to be pigeonholed into something. I saw them as a very entrepreneurial company that was going to grow, expand, uh-huh. and really a- adapt to the industry. So I jumped in, uh, both feet. I was in the, the Massachusetts office and started as an engineer, just working on treatment projects, pilot studies, uh, permitting, planning, you know, mm-hmm. everything. And from there, started, you know, graduating through engineering, got my professional engineering license, became a project manager, and then started a little bit more on the business development side. Okay. And through business development, there was an opportunity to move to Connecticut and open the, ah. the municipal practice in Connecticut for okay. the company. So, great. Did that, moved my family. I had a young daughter at the time. She was just born. And moved to Connecticut, and, you know, things just really started to take hold. We, we developed a lot of business with Connecticut Utilities, um, you know, started to do some pretty exciting things, started working for bigger cities. Okay. And also the small towns, and um, it's, been, it's been quite a ride. In the last year, starting in January, I switched over. So Woodard & Curran does engineering, technology side, SCADA, yeah. and also operations. So we operate treatment plants for, sure. for municipalities and for the private sector. So I always had an in, a keen interest in operations, yep. and it's an, such an integral part, and it's a part that engineers sometimes miss. Yes. So I kind of joke that I'm a reformed engineer, and I got <laughs> my operator's license. <laughs> yeah. 
And now I jumped into the operations group head first and am having a blast. Absolutely love the operations side of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you and I uh, kind of crossed paths for many, many years. We've been crossing paths at the uh, the at caves, the trade shows, and so forth. But uh, you know, I know we when uh, Portland has kind of been in the dark ages for years, and we started to embark on the skated age and so forth. And uh, right. that was our, our first really endeavor in, in uh, you know, reaching out to you folks. And, and I, I know you guys put in a quote. In fact, we uh, have to refresh that, you know, because uh, sure. we had our, our new public works director or our old public works director left. And that was one of the things that kind of fell between the cracks. So we got to get that back on track. And go sure. And, and that's critical for all utilities to really modernize, to sure. innovate, to get to the next level. Smart water, we're, we're all a little slow on it nationwide. Yes. We really need to get... Uh, those innovations that uh, technology furthered. Other industries seem to be beating us to it. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, unfortunately, infrastructure as well as uh, our, our workforce is aging, you know, and a lot of times it uh, kind of, you know, lacks behind. And we've got to, you know, as technology, I'm, I'm the IT director for the town of Portland, and, and I tell you, uh, it keeps me humble every day. You know? Well, Dave, I got to say, you're kind of doing it right. You've got interns all the time. You've got technology savvy young people you're bringing into your world. Yep. That's what utilities sometimes don't do. Yeah. If someone leaves at the top of the organization as a you know operator, we don't think to hire someone with a different skill set. Right. But we have to. Absolutely. That's so critical so that we can advance and evolve and innovate. Well, and the thing is, is you know, and it's just, I, I think in uh, basically just a, uh, the, the nature of the beast of economics, you know, when, when somebody leaves, you know, if somebody walks out this door, we got a new person walking out this door and never the twain shall meet, you know, right. typically in the old days, we, you know, we would spend, you know, bring somebody on and mentor know, spend, them, spend six months shadowing, mentoring, and, you know, getting their feet wet as far as, you know, what the topology of the organization is, how it works, how it functions and so forth. And now it's, unfortunately, it's like, say, one goes out the door, one goes in the door, and, you know, the guy coming in the door is kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool. Right. Know? And it, and it gets, uh, and, it, and basically it's, and I, I understand the economics of it, but by the same token, um, when that knowledge base walks out the door, there's, you know, there's, there's a big loss there. That's right. And, and when we see that, a lot of times that is a good opportunity for contract ops. And, and you know, why that, that helps people with their careers Sure, is that when we operate, you know, right now we operate, 80 different facilities across the country. Yep. When we operate 80 different facilities, then the people get to see other facilities. Sure. In the municipal environment, sometimes you're stuck maybe at a four-person plan or a yeah. three-person plan for your entire career. Yes. And that makes it hard. And what also happens is that makes it attractive to skip to other utilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's a constant cycling of through of people. But we're trying to kind of get our arms around that, make sure that people have opportunity to grow in different ways in their sure. career through you know, an outsourcing type environment. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you know, a lot of the, the, the larger utilities, especially in Connecticut, you know, they've got more resources, more depth. So you've got more um, specialties, you know, so yes. if a guy comes in, he's a GIS expert or he's a treatment plant uh, operator or a distribution person or, you know, or an engineer and so forth. You know, when you're dealing with a, with a small utility like Portland, it's like, okay, Got to do it all. Any job necessary. Yep. Is, and, and a lot of times that's, um, <laughs> can be anything, you know, right. as far as that goes. So, right. uh, you know, that cross training is very, very, very important, you know, so as far as that goes. So, uh, so anyway, so you, you, you got into, now you're over onto the uh, uh, operations group. 
That's okay. right. So what, what types of projects have, are, are, are you dealing with now? So there's some fun. Um, you know, we're a national firm now. When it, yes. Again, 1998, we were a small New England kind mm-hmm. of regional firm, but we, we've grown from that 150 people to about 1,300, mm-hmm. you know, engineering side, et cetera. And then we have a, you know, as I mentioned, 80 projects nationally. So that's, that's about 300 plus yep, yep. operators. Sure. So we now see a lot of really fun things. Um, it all starts with money. Oh, naturally. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I always joke that we don't have engineering problems. We don't have technology problems. We have money problems. Exactly. So if we fix the money, then we can do a lot of fun things. Yes. And there's a lot of funding now. Yes. So, you know, we have a funding team and the funding team goes, finds that money for our clients, yeah. and then we can can really innovate. We can apply new ideas, new things. So some of the fun projects, we've got um, recycled water. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we're doing recycled water all throughout California, through the southeast, um, you know, the, the, the south. And so that's been fun to watch. We've yeah. got a lot of nutrient removal projects. Okay. Uh, we just started one in November in Florida. Yeah. It's kind of the first of its kind. There's a, there's a very impacted lake. Yep. Lake Apopka in Florida. Okay. And we are now taking hundreds of millions of gallons a day, yep. removing phosphorus and putting it back to the lake. Nice. And we're seeing real impact, uh, you know, environmental positive impact sure. from this type of arrangement. So we think there'll be a lot more facilities like this um, throughout the country at some point. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, well, the other thing, too, that's that's, you know, impacting, you know, everything okay is is climate change you know oh. that that is affecting everybody um yes. you know we're getting much more uh, obviously extreme weather events which can affect you know water wastewater um you know you've got the wildfires out west mm. um so you know th- that's that's serious stuff and i think that's and you know as as many people will say it's it's, it's a hoax it's not it's real oh it's real you yeah know? we're seeing it every day and and, and that's the the sooner as we recognize that the better off we're going to be but by the same token you're right there there is a lot of funding out there um that's that's you know beginning to address a lot of those issues you know and i think uh uh you know and that's the nice thing about your organization okay you you've got the depth okay in the organization number one to go out and and seek funding where you know we as a small town you know we don't have a grant writer. Right. We don't, you know, okay, well, how are right. we going to pay for this? You go into the selectmen's meeting and say, huh? You know, and it's right. like, uh, it's deer in headlights, yeah. like, you know, as far as that goes. So yeah, it's, you, it's always been a really important part is to, as you're doing the engineering, you've got to keep an accounting of the dollars. Sure. You've got to make sure that what we call, we have financially savvy professionals. Yep. They have to be financially savvy engineers, financially savvy operators, financially savvy SCADA people. Yep. And that's what the industry's turning to. Is mm-hmm. Everyone needs a financial head yeah yeah so as we bring the the new people in we've got to get them educated quickly sure in the finances of utility yeah 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 exactly so you know going back to that put on your skater hat here okay sure. um you know and obviously skater is uh, supervisory control and data acquisition so tell us how that has affected the industry through your career you know i know when i started it was uh you know, we, we had the circular paper charts on the wall sure. that you had to change and writing the figures down and so That's forth. Right. So, so tell us how, how that has affected you guys. It's been pretty amazing what SCADA has done. Um, one of my first experiences back in the late 90s was we had a, a utility in Massachusetts that we were able to eliminate a third shift. So they okay. had to run three shifts yep. according to their permit. Mm-hmm. So we were able to go to MassDEP and say, hey, if we automate this 
plant better, we can eliminate a third shift. Now, think of the impact, the financial impact. Yes. You know, we weren't necessarily eliminating positions because they can do other things. Utility always needs other things. But, but what they're able to focus on and how much more they can do when they're not sitting there trying to operate and the plant can operate itself, yes. they can go out in the collection system. Sure. They can go fix pipe. They can do some of the proactive things that are so hard to get to. They can lay water main. They can exercise valves. They exactly. can flush and you name exactly. it. Exactly. You know, so this utility benefited. We did the math. You know, they were saving hundreds of thousands a year on these on reallocating the staff. And it was only a couple hundred thousand dollars to do the the automation. Yeah. So the payback was immediate. Sure. And they've benefited for a, over a decade now. Wow. Almost wow. two decades, right? Right, right. So, you know, it's, with, with the SCADA, you know, basically it, it's it just kind of uh, a repository for all of that stuff that we used to have to physically go around and That's collect right. manually. Well, and then take it a step further. Today, as we put in new SCADA projects, we're putting in AI or machine learning, so artificial intelligence. So really, a human has a hard time. You know, there's only so many parameters your brain can handle at yep. one time. Mm-hmm. And economics is often one that either overrides it all yep. or you forget about it. Yep. The, the computer can factor in all those things and make better decisions. Sure. So, so the AI goes in, it just watches human decisions. Yep. And then starts to see the positive impacts from those decisions and, and is able to adjust. Yep. So it learns. Sure. That's what that's where we need to get with smart water. We yeah. have to get enough meters, enough sensors, so that the computer can do even more. Yeah, and then we have to trust it because yeah. sometimes well, we don't. Yeah. Well, there again, technology is is moving at a rapid pace, and you know, I can kind of uh, make an analogy of that. You know, when when the uh, the, the Nest thermostats came out, you know, and yes. they put the, this thing, okay, hey, you put this thing, this thermostat in, it automatically learns when you come home and when you leave, so mm-hmm. it turns the heat up, it turns the heat down, and, and all that kind of stuff. So this is kind of the same thing at a much it more is. intricate level. It is. However, Nest thermostats are out there. Yes. People in homes who are, uh, let's just say, unintelligent buyers are using them. Yeah. And then we have these very intelligent people, operators, directors, superintendents, afraid of it. Yeah. We've yeah. got to move on. We've just got to, it's got to be like the, the analogy I always use is it's like cruise control in your car yeah. or intermittent wipers. Yeah. You didn't really ask for it, but the car company started giving it to you. Sure. Yeah. That's what the engineering firms, the innovative ones have to start doing. We just have to start presenting it and educating people and educating people. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, years ago, I mean, um, we, we, they marketed, you know, the, the GPS units that, you know, you put on your dashboard right. in your car. Now it's on your phone. It's a phone. We it's don't, a phone. We don't have a standalone device for GPS yes. anymore. We, it's all integrated. It's on your phone, and, and most cars have it installed in their dashboard. So, right. you, know, you know, whatever. So, and then that's, again, that's that's where technology is. That's where it's going, and it's going to keep going. And the younger people we bring into our industry, yep. the more we're going to be able to do that. Sure. And, and the, sometimes the older people are a little less receptive. that call anyway <laughs> i'm glad it's not my phone that's my voicemail so it's like okay so anyway uh yeah i mean you know that, that that's the thing and you know um the the other side of that you know the uh, as our workforce as you know is is aging a lot of a lot of those older operators okay are um apprehensive about learning that new technology yes. 
you know, and so it's it's a kind of a double-edged sword. Yep. You know, you got to start bringing them along too, you know, as far as that goes. And and if, if you have the luxury of bringing young people, you can assign them, you know, that. Yep. And the older people can keep doing their thing. And the, and the, the balance, the hybrid workforce is exactly. going to be able to handle it. Yes. And that's why we need more diversity in our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, diversity of... Of thought, diversity of people, diversity of backgrounds, yes. diversity of education. Sure. Because they bring different things, and together that makes a really great composite team. Sure, sure. You know, uh, again, as I, you know, contemplating launching this podcast and said, you know, um, you know, this is something I think we need to do, um, you know, what, what advice would you give to a, a, a high school senior or maybe uh, early college freshman as far as, you know, about, uh, you know, Looking at career paths, what would you say? I mean, the first thing that I would say is it's a career. It's not a job. Yes. So we're all passionate. You know, I know you are. You know, I am about what we do. We're passionate about clean water. We're passionate about being able to tell someone that, you know, we're cleaning the world. We're helping people. You know, it's service. It's service to a community. Yep. That's a career. Yeah. It's not a job. Exactly. So... And as I keep saying on every podcast, okay, the, the water industry isn't a career that you can outsource. I mean, you need boots on the ground. Absolutely. Okay? You, you've got to have people out in the, uh, you know, in the distribution system, you know, uh, fixing the leaks, uh, you know, doing what needs to be done, you know, as far as that goes. And it's not something like technology. You, can, you call a help desk and you're, you're, you're speaking with somebody in India. You That's know? right. I mean, even the, the contract operation sites we have, those are people that live in the community, sure. right? Our, our employees are really municipal employees. Yes. They just yeah. they just wear a different shirt because yep. that's the model that we can support the community more with. Sure, sure. But you can't outsource it no. in that way. You you are insourcing it, really. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, is the technology has gotten better and better, and, you know, with the SCADA capabilities and so forth. You know, when we get, uh, you know, an alarm at a plant, okay, uh, you know, back in the old day, everybody had a pager. The pager went off, and you had to go into the plant. Okay, see what went wrong. Now, with the technology in SCADA, okay, you can just log in with a laptop and say, hey, you know, is do I need to go do in? Do I need to go in? Yes. And, and sometimes you do. Yes. I mean, there's certain things that you always have to go see. But a lot of times it's a, you know, a maybe nuisance a alarm. Maybe a tweak. Maybe something you can yep. turn a pump on or off and yep. Yep. see how that reacts. Sure. Well, you know, high water level on the tank. Okay. Right. You know, this, okay, is the pump on, is pump off, or is right. low water level on the tank? We need to turn the pump on, you know, that's so right. it's that type of thing. But that technology is there, and that's the that's the beauty of, you know, where the industry is going. So um, I know most, you know, water utilities, I know my um, my premier podcast coming out of the gate, I got Lori Matthew on for the state of Connecticut, and, uh, you know, um, the state, for instance, right now they're they're having a hiring uh, frenzy because, you know, with the the healthcare laws, they had eight hundred people exit the state. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, and you know, and it's, it's a all, crisis. It is. It's it a crisis. Is, you know, um, you know, and the sooner that we can get out to these people and getting out to job fairs and uh, career fairs at high schools and and in in colleges, the better off we're going to be because, uh, you know. The, the, the water industry as a whole is a very, very large umbrella, you know. Well, my opinion in the company staking behind that as well is that it's beyond recruiting. This isn't just about telling someone it's a good career. It's more of what you've done, Dave. It's more of educating. It's more of grabbing people, educating them, giving them an opportunity, mm-hmm. 
helping them get through certification or licensing mm-hmm. and moving on from there. So, so to that end, we've got, um, we're, we're starting to develop a short course. Yeah. So we can bring people to a treatment plant. Okay. Hands-on experience. Okay. Very similar to what you're doing at the end of the short course, they're going to have to sit for their exam. Mm-hmm. You know, we've worked with some of the States to, to work out some of the details and they'll be licensed. Sure. And then they'll be ready to go. I mean, we have to go to that level. Recruiting isn't, we have a person in HR that goes to just a career fair. I mean, we have to do that too, but we have to get beyond that. And the whole industry has to participate because that is the biggest threat to our industry is people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the things that, that I've been fortunate enough to participate in in, in, in MDC is our you know, Metropolitan District in Hartford. Um, Scott Jollison out there, it created uh, about six seven years ago, okay, what they call a learn and earn program, okay, and I was uh, basically brought on to, uh, and the learn and earn program is basically they send out um, uh, invitations to all of the area high schools in their A-towns, okay, and recruiting people, uh, students that would like to come as, a, as an internship, and basically it's a four-week program, okay, where two weeks of the program, I would educate them on you know, a lot of the, the nuts and bolts of the industry of why we do this and why we do that uh, and so forth. And then the, the last two weeks of the program, basically they embed them in a department and mm. they're getting paid to do this. That's great. And, uh, you know, my uh, uh, cohort, who uh, I started the, the Water and People program, Seb Augustino, obviously he's retired, but I've recruited, uh, since his retirement, I, I recruited Wes Winterbottom, okay, out of Gateway. So Wes taught the, uh, um, the, boot camp with us this year obviously that we had two years of covid that we didn't do anything sure. so we're, we're playing catch up but i think these type of opportunities that uh we can avail students of i think it's an idea to you know again um build some hands-on you know experiences that that kids you know come in because you know you, you not only have you don't have to be a water operator or a distribution operator you, you can be an engineer sure. okay you can be an equipment operator you can be an hr person you can be an accountant Okay, you can be a meter reader. Okay, be public outreach. A- exactly. You know, and a lot of the larger utilities, okay, have all of these all of these positions that you know you can, uh, you know, make yourself uh, uh, available to. And it's the type of thing. But you just have to realize that connect the dots. That oh oh, I can do this in the waters. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and it's that type of thing. Uh, it's it's so so important. It really is. But your program that you did in the high school, particularly, is the one that I think should be the model. I mean, the MDC one's great too. Um, and and I'm on the Simsbury uh, Sewer Commission. You know, yep, our, yep, our yep. WPCA I'm the vice chair at the moment. And we always have an intern mm-hmm. every time we can. We get a high school, you know, year round, yep. when, whenever we can. And I've seen one of those interns was a neighbor of mine. Yeah, he's now has a career in the environment. Okay. He's now, you know, an engineer working for one of the consulting firms there you go. in the environment. Would he have done that without that experience at the plant? Probably, no. Probably not, though. Probably not. Yeah. But I, I really do think the, the program you did in, in the schools is the model. And that's what we're trying to kind of emulate yeah. in, in our short course is really get them engaged. Uh, we're, we're talking about a nice workforce is the veterans. Sure. And they are very deployable because they're willing to travel they're willing to relocate yeah yep. because that's the issue yep. you know when you train them in a certain area are they able to go somewhere where there's jobs because yep. there's only so many jobs in portland connecticut well exactly uh, that that that's the thing and the other thing too is that you know my course the high school obviously um covid put a big damper on all in school learning and so forth and you know wes and i have been been uh communicating i think we have to get 
put our heads together and have a meeting because I think, um, you know, the curriculum that I designed basically, which was approved by the state health department with Bill Sullivan and so forth. Mm. Okay. It's a 72 hour contact course. Okay. It's basically designed for high school seniors right. that they can take in their second semester of high school. Uh, and we've got some really good inroads because I've also been able to develop some MOUs with uh, the Gateway Community College. So if you pass uh, and, and, and get your certification, you also get advanced credit towards their Environmental 101 class. Which okay. is great. So it's, it's, it's a carrot. It's a win-win. But again, since the COVID thing, I think um, what I tried to do after I taught it in Portland, I taught it at Bloomfield High School. But, they, you know, you're... You're, you're tying your wagon to one specific mm-hmm. school, but I think if we if we can kind of develop an online course, yes. okay, that we can, you know, uh, broaden our tentacles, so to speak. You know, you don't have to, uh, you know, tie your wagon to one school or, or, or one organization. That's right. And, you know, there's a lot of schools, and particularly colleges, that are really getting into the water industry. Yep. So Florida Gulf Coast is building the biggest water school wow. in, the, in, the, in the country right now. Uh, Georgia Military Institute is trying to, develop a track for water professionals. There you go. So they're looking at, you know, lab equipment and the, what what needs to be done. Gateway's always been a, you know, Wes has done a fantastic yeah, job. He's forever. been around. He's, he's a, you know, uh, again, one of the uh, um, patriarchs of, of the whole right. uh, industry as far as that goes in education. And he has a very, very, um, you know, it's a, he has a passion for that. And he has a, a great communicative skill and it, it works out very well. So, so you're right. If we can collect them all together and really get, you know, on mission, we can really, we can change this crisis that we're in. Well, this is a start. I'm glad you came on the podcast because this is, again, what it's all about. And, you know, like anything, it's, it's not, not every student coming out of college or coming out of high school is meant to go to college. Right. But, you know, with this industry, you have those opportunities that, you know, uh, you don't have to go to college. Nope. I mean, you can start out as a meter reader. You can start out as a construction, you know. in the, And grow you know. in that career because it is a career. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, Jay, thank you so much for coming on. So as you know, I'm a musician, so I, I have a couple questions here, you know. Great. So, uh, um, you know, what what's your... I know, I know you play guitar, okay, so... A little bit. I, l- I played more drums. Okay, well, that's yeah. all right. All right. So uh, what was your most memorable concert you went to? Well, most memorable... Well, it's kind of ironic. So I, in college, I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, yeah. And this was in Burlington, and uh, Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins were opening bands. Yeah. So that was a good show. I just saw the Chili Peppers at Fenway on Saturday. Steve Smith. So... Drummond. Yeah. 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 Chad, Chad Smith. Chad Smith. I'm yep. sorry. Yes. Well, yes. yeah. Great, great, great experience. Probably one of my best. Okay. I was always a big uh, punk fan, so I had some some Western Mass things that happened. Okay. Replacements. Tom Petty. You nice. Name it. Could you go, go forever. All right. So then, uh, Desert Island album. If you got stuck on a desert island, what album would you bring? I think you got to bring the White Album. I, I you know, you it's know, a two record set. Uh, it's. I just think you have to. Yeah, yeah. I I think the the Beatles have uh, you know. And you'd be surprised how many people that we ask that question to on a podcast. The, the the white album is usually, you know, out of out of five cast five podcasts, it's it's probably mentioned at least out of three of them. Yeah, you it's know, hard so. not to. Okay, uh, last thing: desert island food. If you're stuck on a desert island, what food could you eat every day? Okay, gonna go a little different here. I make beer out of recycled water. Really? That's what you need on a desert island. So oh. we call it poo brew. Okay. We have fun names. We have flush it down brown. We have porta potty porter. All right. We have uh, you know 
We, you can have fun with that. So I like. It. I would bring poo brew. I like made it. out of recycled water. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our actually our episode number thirty-two of the future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about it. And Mr. Jay Sheehan is in the house. So Jay, thank you so much. And uh, that concludes this episode of the future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about. And uh, Make sure you click and subscribe and uh, leave a comment uh, down the bottom, okay? And uh, tell us how you like the podcast. And uh, if you want to be on the podcast, hit me up and we'll go from there. So thank you so much. I'm your host, Dave Kosminski, and uh, that is all. <laughs>